So you really are building this full fleshed out human. It's a fictional character, but it's based off of the data and based off of the behaviors that you observe. So our hard body, Harry, he lives in Nashville, Tennessee, and he is a sales consultant, um, but he's super, super into bodybuilding. And he goes to the gym twice a day. He's been doing this for the past three years, and now he's preparing for his first bodybuilding competition. Then you, you give a little bit of details about his, his own life and his purchasing behavior and what uh, his average day looks like. All of those details, which seem like, why do I need to know or like invent this information about this person? Well, it's so that you can get into his psyche. If you don't know Harry well enough, how are you ever going to understand what his challenges are, what his goals are, what his really underlying fears are even? Um, You have to be able to connect emotionally to this fictional person in order to understand how to, to talk to them and what type of visuals and what type of, you know, photos or design or, uh, messaging is really going to hit home with them. Episode 62 at winning at work with Tessa Bacard. Tessa is the vice president of marketing at Trifecta, an organic meal delivery company. They have very aggressive growth plans, and that's why she's there. She heads up about a 20-person best-in-class marketing team. They are a direct-to-consumer e-commerce brand. And a little bit more about her background, she reports directly to the CEO. She's responsible for creative content, performance marketing teams, She sets the KPIs, all the trackable metrics that positively affect the company's, as I mentioned, very very ambitious business goals. If you want to cut through the noise and make sure that your absolute ideal customer, when they see your brand, when they see an advertisement, they realize, this is the brand that I've been missing. It needs to be in my life and it's solving a problem a big, big problem that I'm having. And she walks us through the process from start to finish, how you go about identifying and building out the buyer persona and then marketing to that person. And she also warns of a trap that it's very common that you find one channel or one particular platform that works, you got some results, and then you plow all of your marketing budget into it That is not a strategy that she would recommend. She was so kind to uh, all of our listeners here that she is offering a uh, a promotional code. If you want to try Trifecta and kind of add this uh, science-based nutrition, so you can you know crush your diet, crush your goals. You can get 40% off your your first order by using the code uh, WAW40. So the promo code is WAW40. Tessa, thank you so much for offering that up to all the listeners. So I hope all of you guys go out after you listen to this podcast and check out their really cool advertisements. Please go to the website and, yeah, check out their, their meal plan and see if it works in your life. So stay tuned. We've got a fantastic episode. This episode is brought to you by Join Us Search Group. Join Us is a national food and beverage executive search company specializing in sales, marketing, innovation, and operations. Stay tuned for today's episode. Well, Tessa, thank you for joining me today. 
Thank you for having me, Tony. I'm really excited to chat today. Well, this is such a, an interesting brand. I think many of us have, you know, experienced the, you know, meal delivery service. I know for the longest time I was using one. And when I noticed your brand, there was something about the digital marketing. There was just something there that was really captivating to me. And I wanted to have you on the program just to really pick your brain. You are the marketing expert. I, I'm really curious to learn more about trifecta and just your marketing genius. Not many people refer to themselves as a nerd, but you do. <laughs> yes. I am a self-proclaimed marketing nerd, marketing dork, uh, data dork, whatever you want to call me. Um, I am really fascinated by marketing. Uh, I am the uh, vice president of marketing here at Trifecta Nutrition. Um, I've been with the company for uh, almost three years. And prior to Trifecta, I was also working in health and fitness um, for an agency specifically focused on um, sort of gyms and um, overall wellness uh, sort of spaces. So um, when I when I started at Trifecta, it was a very comfortable sort of uh, niche for me already. And Trifecta sort of uh, had has come a long way in the meal delivery space, I believe, because we have taken a strong position with our marketing and our marketing niche. If you haven't already been to our website, it's pretty obvious right off the bat or any of our social media channels. Uh, we specialize in meal delivery that is macro balanced and science backed to actually improve your nutrition and improve your uh, overall nutritional balance. Um, that's been very successful for us. And I think I think that any brand that, uh, especially, you know, starter brands or direct to consumer brands or new brands that are, are launching into the, into their market, if they don't take a strong position on who their best audience fit is, um, they tend to market to everyone and anyone. And that's where your message can get confusing or confused very easily. And your ideal customer might not immediately recognize, Oh, this is the brand for me. And as a, as marketers and as, as, you know, business people who are trying to acquire new customers or new clients or new listeners or whatever, whatever you may be uh, seeking, um, knowing who your ideal customer is, is sort of step number one, and then trying to find where they are spending their time and the energy and then spending times uh, time in that same, uh, location or that same venue, um, whether that's digitally or, or physically, that's, uh, that's kind of, um, going to be a secret to, to your success. So how did you determine that your marketplace was going to be large enough for you to be successful? Cause I think people can go through the exercise and say, okay, this is what my ideal customer looks like, but where do you go to get that data to verify, okay, it's a big enough piece of the pizza that we can live on that slice. There are a lot of very expensive reports that you can go out and, and acquire you can talk to some consultants or some experts if you want to go that route. There's a lot of value to be to be found in some and relying on some of the experts to sort of uh, scrape this data and give you the information uh, if you feel like you're totally lost and, and starting to ask yourself those questions. Uh, there's also the sort of DIY route, which is hunting around on uh, Google Analytics, uh, understanding Google Trends. Um, there's tons of free tools online. We are living in this beautiful digital age where um, information is of no short supply. So you can pretty much find what you're looking for 
somewhere on the internet. Um, understanding whether or not that source is, uh, the most reliable or exactly what you're looking for is something you're going to have to sort out for yourself. Uh, but there's definitely ways that you can, you can do that. Uh, for my own sort of starting place when I'm working with new brands, uh, where I start is just sort of typing into Google very simply, um, the type of industry or the type of, uh, character archetype or uh, buyer persona, as we refer to them. Um, what are the types of interests? Uh, what other and uh, other brands are they following? Um, doing a little bit of uh, stalking on uh, LinkedIn or your other social media, <laughs> what have you. You can find out a lot about people because they volunteer a ton of information, especially via their social media channels. That is such a great point. I know when I'm trying to get into a new space, you can literally find people who are already in the space, go to their LinkedIn profile and see all the groups that they're a part of. And it's like, ah, didn't even know those existed. Mm -hmm. Well, you and I talked a little bit offline and I, I, your passion really came through the way you market, you know, you, you're combining, um, you know, art and science. What does that mean? Yeah. So I, I think that I am fascinated by marketing because there is this uh, dual aspect of the art and the science. There's a lot of data points, like I was just mentioning. There's a lot of information that you can garner from the internet, from your own studies, from your own surveys. That information is so powerful. But without a uh, creative force behind it without making some of these assumptions without bringing your own experience, like as a human into the consideration, uh, it would be very, um, it would be very almost clinical to try to market in that way, just using data points. So in, in marketing, we, <laughs> I think one of my, one of my uh, co colleagues told me the other day, um, you know, I'm just going to keep doing crazy stuff in marketing until someone tells me to stop. And sometimes I feel that way as well. We try a lot of things. We, uh, we have a, an entire creative sort of agency internally here at trifecta. Our, our, um, our creative team is internal and they're, um, a bunch of really smart, uh, amazing, um, creators we've got, you know, videographers and photographers and graphic designers and motion graphics designers and our creative director. And they're all putting together these really, really beautiful graphics or videos or stories or visual storytelling. And, uh, the cool thing about then layering on the science piece is that it's not just the aesthetic and we're, you know, making our own judgment about whether or not that's a beautiful photo. Uh, we actually get the real time feedback using our closed loop data reporting. So we can put an image out there. You can actually a B test it against a different image and you can have two beautiful photographs, but depending on what goal you're trying to achieve, does this one perform better than the other one? Well, that gives us the information that we need and then we can tweak and adjust and, and move forward from there. It's no longer just someone's opinion. Um, it is, that's part of it, but there's also the data that you can use to back up your opinion. So that's kind of what I mean by the art and science. You, you mentioned this closed loop, this data testing. I mean, how does that work exactly? That sounds exactly what people need when they come up with a great idea to be able to actually, you know, verify and show people, hey, we're making progress. This is getting traction. This is engaging. Mm -hmm. Well, 
let's think back to sort of early marketing days. How would, how would marketers or how would advertisers do this? They would run tests and let's say we're talking about a print ad in a magazine. They might run two different versions of an ad, um, just splitting between if you're sending out, let's say a thousand copies of this magazine, you have 500 that run with ad version A and 500 that run with ad version B. Uh, then tracking who are the people who actually respond to those advertising, uh, who engages with it, who actually purchases the product. It was, um, very analog and therefore lots of, lots of possibility for, for slippage and not understanding truly which were the, the people who actually responded or engaged to that ad. Uh, fortunately in today's digital world, we have a lot more tools and a lot more, um, information and a lot more ways of testing that more sophisticated ways of testing that. Uh, there's a lot of actual free tools as well. Uh, Google, um, Optimize is a free tool. If you use any of the Google suite, uh, items for, you know, uh, Google analytics or Google search console, you can use Google optimize. You can use Google, uh, data studio. That's a great free tool as well to sort of visualize some of these tests and visualize which, uh, segments are actually responding. Um, I'm afraid I might be talking a little bit too scientifically. I know this, uh, this may sound like really scary and unapproachable, but as soon as you start learning about it, as soon as you start doing a little bit of research, uh, these types of tools and their importance and how you can use them come to light. And of course, please use and abuse uh, YouTube tutorials. They're kind of my go-to <laughs> for, for learning and getting into the nitty-gritty of this kind of stuff. I, but I love it. And, you know, again, you're a self-described marketing and data nerd. So we're, you know, your nerd is coming out and I love it. because <laughs> Your I mean, nerd is showing. <laughs> yeah, your nerd is showing. You might want to tuck it back in. You know, um, <laughs> this is why, you know, people are coming here. They want to learn more about how to do that. And I think most people would agree. Obviously, we want to drive, uh, drive revenue. We want to, you know, create, you know, engaged fans and create, you know, brand evangelists. Eventually though, they're going to click, they're going to go through your photos, get to the website, browse around, you know, start placing orders, things of that nature. So just in general, I know we didn't talk about this, you know, ahead of time, but just what do you find in general engages people the most? Is it, you know, is it videos of single, like individual people or groups of people or videos? What tends to really captivate people the most? Oh, Tony, um, <laughs> marketers, marketers ruin everything. And so, uh, I can tell you that for a fact, because if I told you what the secret sauce was for what works well for trifecta, and then all the listeners went out and they're like, Oh my gosh, if that works for trifecta, I'm going to do that exact thing for my company. Oh, um, boy, then it's, it. and it's not going to work for them. And they're going to come at, come at me, Tessa, this is not, this is not working for me. So zero likes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I can tell you like the data shows us, and this is not for me. This is, I was listening to one of my other favorite podcasts, uh, perpetual traffic recently. And, uh, this comes from Google, uh, Google data shows us that the most effective image is of a young woman, uh, you know, around 30 years old, brunette, Caucasian looking directly at the camera and smiling. That is the most effective uh, combination of physical attributes for a photo to work well in a paid advertisement. So there's a lot of caveats there. Uh, certainly don't go and find that exact photo and think that it's going to work perfectly for your business. 
<laughs> Once you identify that that avatar, you, but you called it something different for your for your brand. You, your uh... fire personas are what we refer to them as, and they are fire personas are fictional representations of your best customer. So not necessarily even your most prevalent customer. This is your best customer. So if you or or client or listener what have you. Uh, if you know that you have a lot of people who purchase one time and they tend to follow the same type of behaviors or tend to have the same interests, that might be good for the short term, but it might not be great for the long term uh, viability of your business. It depends on what your overall business goals are. Uh, so we try to focus on the people who are going to be the best customers for us. At Trifecta, we are a subscription-based um, meal, ready-to-eat meal delivery service. So it's important for us to capture those one-time buyers, but it's more important for us to capture the people who are going to really love the brand, fall in love with the brand, and then stick around for a long time so that they get the most out of their subscription, so that they hit their fitness and their health goals, and so that they're really bought in and like become advocates, natural advocates for the brand. Um, I've been doing digital marketing for about 15 years now, so I can tell you all of the different tactics that could work or should work or will work for your brand. But I can tell you one thing, and that is the old school word of mouth marketing in air quotes, if you will, is the gold standard of any type of marketing. You're going to put a lot more faith and stock in, uh, your brother who tells you that this is such an amazing product that he can't live without rather than as you're scrolling by on your Facebook feed and you notice something, a new brand or a new product that you have never seen before. Um, that paid advertisement, that means that they have, you know, some kind of a dog in the fight. Obviously they're, they're paying for your attention. Whereas your brother has no, has no skin in the game. Um, I mean, unless he's a paid influencer, that would be weird, but it happens. That would be uh, weird. But to your <laughs> point though, that's a brand evangelist and exactly. that's, that's what you're trying to identify, right? Is your best customer, your brand fits into their lifestyle. And of course mm -hmm. this organic meal delivery uh, it fits in with a lot of people's lives. So, yeah. And I, I will tell you though, you're, I, I watched uh, several of your uh, video and kind of promotional videos. Very captivating. I mean, typically I don't watch video uh, commercials, but I literally watched it several times. I mean, it was kind of intriguing. So, you know, um, I guess not all commercials are created equal. I thought y'all's were. Um, it is told the story immediately. So if oh, people who you. are listening, you haven't done it yet. You definitely <laughs> go watch a commercial. It's pretty, <laughs> you, got, you, got, you got a pretty good one. Oh, thank you, Tony. I appreciate that. We do all of our own stuff in house. Um, but I know that there's a lot of fantastic agencies out there. I am, in addition to being sort of a marketing nerd, I love consuming advertising, which I know sounds crazy because most of the, most of the world are like, Oh my gosh, I hate ads. I hate watching ads. I hate the ad breaks on TV. Uh, I, I agree with that. I, I don't like having my favorite show interrupted by uh, this big ad break. Uh, however, I think that it is really fascinating and super interesting to try to capture an entire story of a brand and sort of get into the psychology of the potential buyer in these very short ad spots. I mean, a traditional ad spot might've been like a minute, like on TV. Uh, these days, you know, you have a six second opportunity to capture someone in between, uh, you know, uh, YouTube clips. 
six seconds. How can you tell your brand story? How can you get your, your overall ethos across to the person? And, you know, we just, we, we live in this digital world that attention is the commodity that everyone is after, right? Cause there's a million ways for us to spend our attention. So how do you capture someone's interest in that very, very short amount of time? And how do you get them to recognize like, Oh, this is a great company, or this is the product that has been missing from my life. Uh, I think it's fascinating. So I actually really like to, you know, just in, in my free time, I like to watch ads and take a look at brands and sort of nerd out about that kind of thing. <laughs> Your nerd is showing again. I know. Um, I, I love it. it though. You, you just said though that, you know, where are people going to spend their interest? That's just a fascinating way of looking at it. And you, and you also, of course, you t mentioned it's a six second window. That's kind of frightening to just boil down, like no matter where you are in sales, in marketing, literally, if you're in a job hunt and you're mm -hmm. trying to make an impression on someone, just think about what images that you're presenting to someone inside of six seconds. I know this is not the time for us to get into talent and resumes and things like that, but literally it's what I, you know, I coach people when they're mm -hmm. going through a job transition. Like if their resume is, does not have this tight theme that just jumps off the page of exactly what they do, the problems they're solving, you know, you've lost the reader because they're not, they don't have time. Uh, you would know better than me about this, but, um, I read recently that the average, uh, person who is looking for a new hire. So not necessarily the recruiter, but the, uh, say the director who's, who's in charge of hiring this new role, they spend an average of like 10 seconds looking at a resume before they make a decision whether or not to move forward with that candidate or not. That was shocking to me. I, I know. Think about that. I mean, you literally pour your life. Mm -hmm. you, you're trying to pour your life, your experiences, your knowledge into black and white on paper. Now you're a creative. Maybe you use different colors and a different color <laughs> resume paper. I don't know. But uh, for most of us, black and white. And it really just goes back to this point of you've got to have this elevator pitch. It's got to be so tight, so buttoned down. Totally. And, you know, that's a topic for another time. In fact, I've got other, I have other podcast episodes, you know, about that, but let's touch on the, the psychology because you, <laughs> you hinted at it that you, you kind of have to know who your ideal, your best customer is, but mm -hmm. of course, like what's going to make an impact, right? How do you yeah. tap into that psychology? This is the part that seems kind of hard for me. I get the, you know, the digital, the marketing, the data, that that's kind of black and white in some ways, mm -hmm. but this is the soft gray stuff that is tricky, fuzzy. Yes. And I think it will always be sort of shades of gray, right? So when we talk about consumer psychology, it's trying to, the best way that I can describe it and the most effective way for us as you know, I'm not a trained psychologist by any means. Um, I'm interested in it, but I've never done any uh, higher education in it. Um, maybe someday I'll go back. Uh, I'm a lifelong learner. So maybe someday, uh, either way, when we think about consumer psychology, it is understanding who your ideal customer is and building out this fictional, almost a bio for them. So, uh, I'm going to give you an example of one of ours. We've got 
a uh, hard body Harry. Uh, he he's someone who <laughs> yes. Also, using pneumatic mnemonic uh, devices uh, actually helps the entire team remember who these are. We've got like hard body Harry and meal prep Megan and uh, newbie Natalie and all these. Um, I love doing buyer personas. You give names to them. Oh yeah, you give them a name. You give them an entire backstory. Um, I used to do uh, buyer persona workshops with a lot of my clients prior to coming to Trifecta. I'm very interested in building out buyer personas and understanding that consumer psychology. I would say that's kind of my, my specialty within marketing. Um, and so you give them this entire backstory and, and you using some of the data and using just a, even some of your own research and a lot of your own gut intuition and your own human experience in life, you create this person. It's, I would imagine, um, the same sort of process that a, a writer, a novelist might go through in terms of building out their character or, uh, what an actor might do as they're preparing for a role. So you really are building this full fleshed out human. It's a fictional character, but it's based off of the data and based off of the behaviors that you observe. So our hard body, Harry, he lives in Nashville, Tennessee, and he is a sales consultant. Um, but he's super, super into bodybuilding and he goes to the gym twice a day. He's been doing this for the past three years and now he's preparing for his first bodybuilding competition. Um, then you, you give a little bit of details about his, his own life and his purchasing behavior and what uh, his average day looks like all of those details, which seem like, why do I need to know, or like invent this information about this person? Well, it's so that you can get into his psyche. If you don't know Harry well enough, how are you ever going to understand what his challenges are, what his goals are, what his really underlying fears are even, um, you have to be able to connect emotionally to this fictional person in order to understand how to, to talk to them and what type of visuals and what type of, you know, photos or design or, uh, messaging is really going to hit home with them. They say that uh, like 90% of our decisions are emotional, even our buying decisions, even our big, big purchasing decisions, they start on an emotional level because we as humans are emotional creatures. So you have to get to know your consumers uh, in order for you to connect with them emotionally. So that's what I mean about the, the consumer psychology. It's like getting to know them so that you're not just like, Hey, we sell meals. That's cut and dry. What trifecta does. We sell meals. Does that connect to you personally, Tony? Are you interested I in mean, hearing more? I would just, if someone approached me and said, Hey, I, I, you know, we sell meals. Would you be interested? I'd be like, uh, I just kind of blow them off. I'd be like, that's just a horrible approach. You know, I would, totally. Yeah. But if I tell you, Tony, Hey, uh, what are you struggling with these days? I bet you're probably short on time and I bet you're probably falling victim to convenience food or, um, you know, healthy or unhealthy, Check. sorry. Check. Uh, Check. Yep. Yes. Unhealthy comfort food or, uh, okay. I, I, I want to be I, hard body, Tony. Okay. Let's just get down <laughs> hard to body it. Okay. I didn't want to say it. Oh, on, <laughs> let's just be honest. You know, you, you want to get, I want to be hard body hairy. I, I hear you, Tony. Well, we can provide that and we can provide it in a convenient way, uh, so that you don't have to do any of the cooking. Let our professional chefs cook it up for you. And all you have to do is heat it up in, in the comfort of your own home. Um, in that little spiel, uh, I'm hitting on probably some of your particular personal challenges. And I'm also giving you a vision of what your life could look like, uh, you know, for the better. 
And of course, it's very trite to say like, oh, trifecta is going to solve all of your problems. That's that's obviously not the case, but it can probably help on particularly challenge uh, particular challenges in your life that would incrementally make your life better. Um, to be able to lose that last five pounds or to be able to have, uh, you know, those 30 minutes back in the evening where you're, you're not having to do meal prep or prepare your own meals, you know, and this is specific to trifecta, but you can use this in whatever industry, whatever, uh, product, whatever organization you're in. Food and health is one of the pillars in your life. And if that pillar is weak, the other areas of your life are going to struggle. You have to Absolutely. have, you have to have a strength and a, a foundation, you know, across the board. You can't be super successful at work and have a family that is falling apart and mm -hmm. not just have it affect other areas. And it just goes across the board. So um, I just had this epiphany, you know, you were describing uh, hard body Harry <laughs> and this, the kind of work you did to create who he was, what his day was looking like. And I had an instant flashback to your, to your commercial. <laughs> well, that's I, how we I, use I, our personas. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There it was folks go literally here, go after you're done listening to this, I want you to go and you're going to see hard body Harry. <laughs> And, Absolutely. And struggles he has at work, you know, he's got to fit yep. these meals. Okay. That makes, that makes perfect sense. Um, but I mean, okay. So here's the thing. How do you know you're right? See, mm. I struggle, see, I struggle with, well, I could, I think I know, you know, what this person might be dealing with, but it, how do you test that? And that's, it could be an expensive way to test something, you know, if, if you're, if you're wrong. Uh, yes, it, it can be. And sometimes it is. Um, if you are making a lot of assumptions and you think you're on the right path and then you put a lot of your eggs in that basket and then it doesn't end up panning out, uh, that can be a, a very expensive mistake. And that's where the importance of having uh, a holistic marketing mix um, becomes very important. So what I mean by that um, is and business owners, especially, and I hope that there may be some business owners or CEOs listening to this. Um, when it comes to marketing, they tend to, um, sometimes be a little bit, uh, narrow focus. So say you have found some success on one of your, um, Instagram ads, you decided to do a paid placement on Instagram. You spent a couple of thousand dollars and it worked well. You got a couple of sales out of it. Well, awesome. What is the immediate inclination? It's to focus all of your marketing dollars and energy and resources on what's working well, which can work for a short time. But if you don't continue some of your other channels, if you don't continue some of your other uh, target audiences, if you don't continue marketing those messages to some of your other buyer personas, you may pigeonhole yourself and you may eventually paint yourself into a corner where, okay, now I, this, for some reason, the algorithm changed, let's say people are always talking yes, about that. Yes, that's the first thought I up. had with what happens. Yes. Yep. 
Well, if you are investing, you know, it's the same idea about um, diversifying your portfolio of investment. You want to diversify your marketing mix. And so that when things change, when the markets change, when the algorithm changes, uh, when, you know, outside forces are, are giving you additional pressure that you're not painted into a corner. And now you have to start totally from square one on a different channel or with this huge budget that you haven't been building up. So, um, there's a, there's a diversifying of channels, which is very important in marketing. So don't only do Facebook ads. Don't only do pay-per-click ads or SEM. Don't only do organic, uh, you know, SEO tactics, et cetera, or email. Make sure you're doing a mix of all of those. Uh, also make sure that you are testing out which of your buyer personas are, are, uh, the most effective and which ones are engaging the most. And you can do, you can observe that through, of course, there's lots of tools that you can find online, but you can do that just through general observation and sort of anecdotal evidence looking at, okay, these are the types of people who are liking our Facebook page, or these are the types of, uh, people who are uh, following our Instagram page. And like I said, do a little bit of stalking and a little bit of understanding, uh, what other brands they're following, what other, um, what other types of people they're following, what other interests they have. Uh, and you can do a certain amount of even demographic, um, digging in and research uh, again with free tools like Google analytics and, uh, and some others that are out there. Yeah, I think the, the the light bulb is shining a little brighter for me because you you've got your um you have your ideal and you've connected with them, but maybe mm-hmm. they're on Instagram, but that same ideal customer is still you know in other channels. So your yeah. job and what you're what that's kind of what you're telling me is like mm-hmm. you need to find where else do they go. You can't just go after you're still going after your ideal customer you're Mm -hmm. just looking for them when they show up in all the other four five six ten other places they could be right exactly and there may be depending on what industry you're in or what uh product you're selling there may be specific channels that are are more in line with your particular customer there's a you know say you're a um video game manufacturer, or you're trying to launch a new video game or something like that. Well, Twitch would be a great platform for you to sort of dig into, um, or Reddit or maybe Quora. Uh, that might not be the case for a, I don't know, an insurance, uh, company for, for boats or something. I'm just pulling ideas um, out of of my basket, but, uh, you know, insurance people, we can't help you because we don't know. (laughs) They might. Oh, and here's the other thing that I do want to point out and something that, um, especially B2B, uh, I, I work in a obviously direct to consumer brand right now, uh, but I have worked with lots of B2B brands in the past and, uh, they tend to think, well, I'm a B2B brand. I should only be spending time on well, what's the B2B social media channel, LinkedIn. Um, but guess what? All the people who are on LinkedIn, they're also humans in their spare time. They're not just business people. So that means that they're probably spending time on Instagram or they're probably spending time on clubhouse, or they're probably spending time on TikTok. They're spending time on these other platforms when they're not being the business person. So how about in my, you know, say you're a B2B brand that is selling a new, let's just keep it easy. Uh, a new marketing podcast. You're trying to market this, this new marketing podcast. Um, I can go on LinkedIn and I can find the marketing groups and I can try to do some advertising there. Uh, but what if 
the, this particular marketer that I'm trying to reach is in her spare time in the evening, perusing her, her TikTok and thinking in the back of her head, wow, I really want to level up my, my SEO marketing. How can I do that? And then all of a sudden she sees an ad for this awesome SEO marketing podcast. Well, it doesn't matter that I'm on TikTok and it's in the evening on my free time. I'm, I'm still, I'm still going to be interested in that content. So don't try to, don't only think I'm a B2B brand. I'm only marketing to professionals. Therefore I should only be on the professional uh, social media channels. There is lots of opportunity. The game is where are people spending their time and where are they spending their attention and trying to be in front of them as much as possible. Yeah. And it just shows the complexity that, you know, current day marketing organizations have. Because a lot of times it's like, hey, I don't know what they do over there, right? You know, I'm in finance (laughs) or right or supply chain or their culinary, their their innovation. Um, Yeah, you're really pulling the curtain back and showing there's, it's a lot harder than than Mm -hmm. what people think. Uh, I can see where being a a data nerd could really help because that's what you have to figure out is what, okay, we know they're on TikTok. What's going to resonate? How do I create a, you know... See that that's the trick, right? Because you can't put the same ad, I wouldn't think, that you might run on LinkedIn on TikTok. You're gonna get laughed at on TikTok. Absolutely. Yeah. Understanding those e- different ecosystems and understanding that people are in a different mindset, right? So they may be the exact same person. I might be Tessa on TikTok and then Tessa on LinkedIn, but I'm gonna be a, in a sort of a different mindset, depending on what type of content I'm consuming on LinkedIn and what type of content I will will resonate with me on TikTok. So um, it's, it's important that you understand those ecosystems as well. Um, and it's a little trial and error. I think it's a little daunting, I think. <laughs> it is, especially if you're like a single uh, business owner. I get this all the time. I have a real heart for uh, small businesses. I've worked in businesses of, of all shapes and sizes, uh, anywhere from startups to, you know, Fortune 500 um, companies. And I have a real heart for small businesses because sometimes they have an amazing product or an amazing service or something that like is so awesome. But if they're not getting their marketing lined up, they're not going to find the right audience or they're not going to find the customer base that's going to actually end up floating their, their business. And that's really sad for me. So I like consulting with small businesses and giving them like, okay, you can't do all of these things but where can you start? The, the feeling of, of this is very daunting to me and I don't know where to start is very, very common for small business owners or small business people. Um, but hopefully that's not a paralysis of I'm not going to do anything because I don't even know where to start. Uh, there's always a starting place and there's always something that you can bite off. Yeah. How do you eat an elephant? And that, that's just how, mm-hmm. how they're going to have to start. Well, when you mentioned that the first really industry that came to my mind was the plant-based food. And, mm. uh, there's a, you know, that huge plant-based food association. They're, uh, they're based out in California and they have companies They're I don't know, maybe 250 member companies. A lot of them are pre-rev and some of them have mm-hmm. been bought. It's a lot of disruption going on in that space right now, but that's a real interesting association. And I, I imagine, uh, folks in there that are listening to this are kind of <laughs> jotting your name down. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, you know, because that, that's what happens. You know, you, you get these great ideas in your kitchen, right? 
And suddenly your friends love it. You go to the farmer's market and it sells out Mm -hmm. and they're like, Hey, how can I buy this online? Like, I don't have a website. Well, I do, you know, and that's how it starts. And all of a sudden now you've kind of launched this e-commerce food business. And Mm -hmm. uh, to your point, you know, it, it is, it can be very daunting. Um, when you and I were talking offline, we, we discovered we had a lot of things in common. I don't think we're <laughs> going to have time to go into the Clifton Strengths Finder, but you and I both have taken that. We're both big believers oh, yeah. in that. It was super interesting, right? I mean, what mm-hmm. are your... Um, uh, My top strengths? Yes. Yeah, I'll go through these quickly. <laughs> but I love Strengths Finder. Uh, I think it is a super powerful tool. It's beyond just a personality test or the Myers Briggs or anything like that. This is really like to help you understand you and your team's uh, true strengths. And then there's like this whole methodology that Clifton and, and Gallup um, sort of uh, promote when it comes to playing to your strengths, right? Uh, so I really believe in that. And I, I have my entire team go through this process and then share, but my particular strengths are number one, achiever, number two, learner, no big surprise there. Um, (laughs) number three is input, um, which is a really interesting one. I don't think I've, uh, met very many people with the, uh, in their top five input. Okay. So do you know what input is? I know. What is that one? Forget what I just said. We're going into Clifton Strengths Finder. What is input? (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. I just, I love this No, no, it's fascinating. What is the, so what's input? So input specifically, and I, I, paraphrasing, um, is the collection of sometimes objects, but more often the collection of knowledge. So these people like to have little insights and have little nuggets and have little pearls of wisdom in their back pocket. And that is so me. I don't collect things. I'm very sort of a minimalist when it comes to uh, physical things, but I love collecting knowledge. It's part of my learner, uh, which is again, my second strength. Um, and anyone who has played trivia against me knows that (laughs) I'm a pretty, a top contender because I just love getting those little nuggets of information and being like, Oh, Hey, did you know, I'm that person at the party that you don't want to get cornered with because I'm going to be like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) did you know this thing? (laughs) Right. Or thank God they found you because you know, they can just (laughs) throw a couple softball questions out and you run with it. That, that's, that's interesting. interesting. So a collector and purveyor of knowledge. Yes. Interesting little tidbits. Um, achiever, and then I also learner, have, input. And that, yes. So my four and five are harmony and positivity, which uh, are definitely assets. I think when it comes to my managerial strengths um, as a, as a team leader, I lead a team of about, um, you know, over, over 20 marketers at this point. Uh, and I am very happy to be working with these people. I could not imagine a better team. Um, and with all of the challenges and, uh, you know, hard times that we have to go through as business people do, uh, my, uh, strength of harmony, um, bringing people together and, and trying to make sure that everyone is, um, uplifted. And then of course, positivity, I think those are, are real assets for my team. Yeah. I mean, that's what you want in a leader. And we have something else in common is that uh, servant leadership. And I think this is a great, great segue into our final topic about talent. So give Mm -hmm. everyone your, you know, overview. What is servant leadership? I think it's, um, 
I, I, I think it's how everyone should be leading, if you ask me. Yes. So I am so glad that we had like our little pre uh, conversation, Tony. And uh, for any listeners, like we were just driving off of each other so much because uh, I get excited about this stuff. And apparently Tony does too, specifically about servant leadership. Um, and the way that I think of servant leadership is, uh, you know, there's this sort of, uh, old school thinking of, all right, I'm, I'm the leader of this team or I'm managing these people. Um, my job is to tell them what to do. Um, sort of more of a dictatorship almost the, this is what you need to achieve. This is the goal that you're supposed to do. And this is how you're supposed to do it. And if you're not doing it in the way that I see fit, then I'm going to come in and kick over your sandcastles. Um, and that's really not servant leadership. The way that I see servant leadership and the way that I see my role of leading my team, uh, is not from the front. It is from underneath, uh, supporting each individual contributor, supporting each of my managers, supporting each of my leaders, uh, in the best way that I can. I see my role as trying to remove obstacles from their path or trying to help them remove obstacles from their own paths or from their own team's paths so that they can shine at what they do best. And that's why having the knowledge of what your strengths are is so important. If you don't know where you are currently, like if you don't know what your strengths are, um, how, how do you know how you can hone them? How do you know how you can get better at them? Uh, you may have a, a gut feeling about them, but really being able to identify them and write them down on paper and share what that actually means for you and your team is pretty critical in my opinion. It also allows you to lean into those strengths every single day and, uh, get better at them, practice them as if it was, you know, exercise or that you're trying to, to build this particular muscle. You look at your strengths as a muscle that you're trying to, to build. So the leader is meant to allow people and help people recognize what those strengths are. Um, and help hone them and help get them so much better and so much sharper. Um, but then there's of course the question of, all right, well, great. Everyone has strengths and weaknesses, right? Or strengths and areas of opportunity. Um, and what do you do with those weaknesses? Do you try to correct them? Do you try to gloss over them? Uh, in servant leadership, it, it tells us that no, you, but you do need to manage around them. So what does that look like? Managing around a weakness means that you are going to try to, um, allow the person to, first of all, recognize what that weakness is and recognize, help them recognize ways to get around it. So that might be pulling in resources from a different person or a different area. It might be developing systems or processes that, uh, allow you to overcome that weakness, but I don't think it is correcting weakness. And I don't think that spending all of your time trying to correct weaknesses is a good use of anyone's time. You should be spending the majority of your time honing your strengths and making those better. Um, so again, going back to the servant leadership, um, sort of philosophy, how can I help these people? How can I help remove obstacles? How can I help them improve their strengths? How can I help them be better? And how can I help them excel in their professional and personal life as much as possible? Um, when I hire someone new, the first thing I do the first day is I, maybe I should even do it before I hire them. I've debated doing that too. But first day is they take the Clifton Strengths Finder and then the team gets together and the team knows their, their strengths. So we kind of put the, mm -hmm. the current team up on the board 
And then the new person comes in and they have to kind of bear their soul. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. this is what I do well. This is, you know, and then you can kind of see how the team fits together. So I have found that very helpful and it lets you own what you do really well. So for me, um, I'll just mention my top two here. Um, I'm My first one's activator and my second one is ideation. So I'm great in a startup. I'm great in a situation where there's a roadblock. We can't, you know, we're stuck. We got to get moving. We need some new ideas. I'm the person you bring in. Um, that's what, you know, and, and that's really why I like the line of work that I'm in because it's a very collaborative type of situation with my clients. My clients have a problem. They've got to get some action going. And with that, that combined with my ideation, I'm real creative. I can think of different ways to attract people, to message, to position. You know, this podcast is a good example of that. This is kind of a unique way for me to stay out there, you know, in front of people. It's just, you know, another idea that I had. And, you know, telling the team, showing the team, this is what I'm really strong at. But guess what? If you come to me and you want, you know, the uh, five lines of data, you know, five lines Mm -hmm. deep of data, you know, that's not me, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not the data nerd, mm-hmm. you know, I see the need for it, right. I have to bring those people in to support me. If I'm in a situation where someone needs a lot of data, Hey, I need help. I got to get that information up. So I think mm-hmm. that's a beautiful way to, um, to kind of ex- explain that. D- did you go through any kind of formal training on this or did you read some books? How can people kind of tap into this? Um, I have done a little bit of reading in some of the, uh, Gallup, um, curriculum and, uh, it's the manager is a great, uh, as a great Gallup book that I really appreciate. And, uh, it's not one of those books that like they say, uh, you would read on a nonstop flight from Chicago to LA. It's one of those things that you can pull in when you have particular instances as a manager or when you have particular challenges and sort of get a little bit of a, um, uh, specific, uh, event help on, which I, I feel is, is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So you just kind of go to it as a resource guide. That's, mm-hmm, that's exactly. Um, well, this has just been absolutely fantastic. I've loved that you allowed me to kind of pick your brain all around marketing, but before we go, you mentioned you've got a pretty good sized team. You guys are obviously growing a lot of great things. Um, mm-hmm. is there anything that your company is looking to, to do or to hire people who are listening, maybe they would want to, to contact you. Do you, do you have any current needs that you might just want to put out there for people to hear about? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on LinkedIn at Tessa Bacard or Tessa Norton Bacard. You can find me on TikTok. Uh, with lots of marketing geeky stuff and some really, really bad lip syncing at big red marketing boss is my handle. Big red marketing boss. That's your handle on TikTok. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, and we are hiring at trifecta. Yes. We're actively hiring, uh, in pretty much every department. So whether that's operations, uh, development, engineering, um, HR marketing, uh, yes, we're growing quickly. And so we have lots of opportunities. You can visit our website at trifecta nutrition.com. Um, there are some job postings up there currently. Um, but there's also other opportunities that come up. 
Uh, and also, Tony, if, if it's okay, I have a discount code for any interested listeners who might oh, want to try Trifecta. Yes, I'm writing this down as you speak. Go ahead. What's the discount <laughs> All right. code? So if you'd like to get 40% off your first order uh, from Trifecta, you can enter coupon code WAW40 for winning at work 40. And you'll get 40% wow, off your first I order. That. Winning at work 40. That's great. Um, yeah, so WAW40 at the at the checkout. WAW40. Okay, and that's a, that, that, that's a discount code. Well, we'll definitely get that tagged and linked so everyone can get out there and get their um, hard body hairy on or <laughs> what was the other one? Kitchen. Uh, uh, oh, we've got meal prep, Megan. Um, meal prep, Megan. <laughs> yes, we, we have a whole slew of them. <laughs> That's fantastic. I think um, everyone's going to go back now and go through these buyer personas and come up with great names. And in fact, when I do get this tagged on LinkedIn, I, I would love to hear what some of the buying personas that you guys have for some of your brands. And let's see if there are some good ones that we can kind of copy. Um, Tessa, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom with us today. Thank you so much, Tony. This has been super fun. 